Hello and good morning. It's October 20th, 2022. Happy to have you here in Hangouts and Headlines. If my voice sounds a little bit scratchy, that's because it is. For those of you that don't know, I did a stream that was almost seven hours long yesterday on all of the materials related to Microsoft and Activision responding to the UK's CMA Competition and Markets Authority. So we are going to be taking it a little bit easy in terms of the voice. Hopefully you've got your tea or your coffee. And as you can see in the poll, we've got some network news, as it turns out, from a Rolling Stone article that describes a series of events that I had not heard about. I don't know if you had heard about them before this article or whether you linked to what I've put in the uh, the description here, uh, but it is a crazy, crazy article. And so I wanted to talk about it primarily on substance. I've got some rhetoric comments because it's headlines and I always do, uh, but uh, it is just a really, really weird story. And I thought it would be fun to talk about with you all. Where are you all hanging out from? How was your weekend? Did you see the epic seven-hour stream I did yesterday? Because, wow, um, like all times, then those when those streams go really long, it feels a little bit like a dream. Uh, but if you are ever wondering whether I could talk to myself, give or take, for about seven hours, the answer is yes. Uh, I can talk to myself so long I can throw my voice out uh, a little bit. So uh, I hope everybody's doing well. We're going to pick up this first super chat very early in the morning. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for the support. Jill Ferguson, hope you got some good sleep after yesterday's marathon. Uh, I did. You know, I got off the stream last night. I had dinner uh, because I hadn't eaten. Uh, and then I um, I relaxed a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I watched uh, some YouTube, right? Because I was only on it for whatever. I did a virtual reality episode before that marathon. So I was on or doing video work for 10 hours, something like that. Um, and then I, of course, watched YouTube because that's where the fun lives, right? And uh, I did. I got some rest. Uh, we're ready to go today. I might rest a little bit more after hangouts here, uh, but we're going to have some fun. Midnight Dreary says, I really enjoyed the stream. That's awesome, Midnight Dreary. Yeah, you were on very early and very late, so I appreciate it. Uh, Sardinisms, good morning from Ohio. I have to increase the size of this video because I can't read it. Uh, morning from New Hampshire. That's nice. Uh, have I made clips? No. There are chapters now. Um, I should uh, I should see if I could figure that out. Uh, as I said during the stream, uh, the video editor that I was working with when I was doing the clips from the early days of Hangouts and Headlines um, I moved on to do some other stuff. Uh, so I don't have a video video editor right now, or I would be cutting that up into you know at least five or six different sections uh, that we could pull out uh, and have on the channel. So I don't know. I'll see if someone's available. If you know someone, have them DM me. Uh, but uh, otherwise, right now, it's just that seven-hour marathon, and uh, the, the chapters are basically the two big documents, right? So I think chapter one is at like four and a half hours, something like that. Uh, and then chapter two comes in uh, an hour or two later, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but I do have the chapters in so that you can at least separate the documents right now. Uh, <laughs> poor Hogue looks a little tired. We're going to make it through. I think I sound a little more tired than I feel. Uh, but no, I'm good. I'm ready to go. Morning from Utah. Why am I awake? I don't know. So a lot earlier in Utah. Uh, Z's emoji, sleeping, sleeping yellow faced emoji. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Hi from Tasmania, Australia. All right, you get this a lot, I'm sure. But do you have any of those cartoon Tasmanian devils down there? That's pretty good. Morning, Hogue. Evening here in Malaysia now. Well, good evening then. Good evening to you. Good morning, Hogue and Mrs. Hogue. 
from Southeast Ohio here for H&H. I'm happy to have you here. I did see the stream, says Sardinism. I fell behind and finished about maybe five minutes after you finished. That's not bad. You were listening on uh, Warp Speed. Hopefully, I was still coming across it two times. Oh, chapters are good. I'll catch up after work. They're really long chapters. I'll try to get in there and make a little bit more high-resolution chapters at some point. Good afternoon from Norway. This week has been too long already. What day is it? It's Thursday. It's Thursday. It is uh, Mario plus Rabbids Day. I don't know if you all are interested in strategy video games on the Nintendo Switch, but as ironic as it might seem or as weird as it might seem, one of my favorite strategy games of the past five years uh, is a Ubisoft title that was a combination with Nintendo's characters called Mario plus Rabbids. Uh, that was essentially like a, a little XCOM type game. You have your main characters, you move them around grids, and you do cool stuff. Uh, and Mario plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope comes out today, and I am so, so pumped. I love strategy games. I love thinking my way through problems in game books, magazines, video games. Uh, it's just how I've always been. Uh, and this one looks to have just some really brilliant innovations. It's got huge reviews. I am so excited for it. Uh, and because it's colorful and fun, my daughters are also looking forward to it. So we're going to have a good time uh, with it. If you are at all interested in those kinds of games, check it out. I'm super excited to play it. Um, and I'll, I'll probably be talking about it for maybe a few days uh, here in Hangouts and Headlines. I'm having a lovely hot cocoa here in New Hampshire. That sounds great. My tea is good. This is all co-counsel is doing, uh, is helping me have tea in the morning. Here from Missouri, caught some of yesterday, but hubby had a VA appointment. Appointment, sure. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't expect anybody to have been on that stream for all seven hours except me, and I actually took a five-minute break in the middle. Uh, Wednesday isn't a weekend for most of us. And hello from Melbourne, Australia. Weekend Wednesday, it wasn't a weekend for me either. We say weekend Wednesday only because I don't have to get up for hangouts and headlines, and so some things shift uh, in terms of the timing uh, patterns around here. Uh, so it, uh, it most definitely wasn't a weekend for me. You might've seen, uh, for instance, uh, that I did an article, uh, and hopefully we'll be doing more articles for the escapist, uh, on the Bayonetta situation, which has been some of the stuff I've covered in virtual legality this week. Um, so I, I did that article. I, I, I wrote that. I did a couple videos. I did the marathon stream. I did practice of law a little bit. I know so it's, it's, it's wild to think of me doing law, uh, but I do that in between, uh, the times that I'm online. So that was that was a big day yesterday. <laughs> Good morning from Dallas. Watched for six hours and we'll finish today. Hearts emoji. That is fantastic. Six hours. I am uh, I'm super happy to hear it. Hopefully it was entertaining. What flavor of sparkling ice was that? My boyfriend likes that, but I've not found a flavor I really like. I don't think that question is directed at me. I know it's early. I know I streamed a lot last night. Sparkling ice. Oh, it might be to me. The sparkling ice. Now we just call them ice. Um, the drink that I was drinking during the uh, during the episode yesterday. Um, I don't know. I think it's the watermelon one. Uh, generally speaking, we have a whole. Uh, this is too much information. We have a whole shelf in our fridge of the ices, and I don't really care which one I grab. I just I just pluck. Um, so I plucked that one, and I was drinking it during the stream. I do remember thinking it was sour. <laughs> <laughs> when when I was drinking it while I was while I was doing that yesterday. Uh Snoop begins. My cats have learned to respond to Hoglaw's voice as the stream starts 30 minutes before their mealtime. All right. I'm glad I can signal cat breakfast for places around the earth. 
Good morning, Hog. I can talk. I can talk that long to myself, but it always ends in an argument, right? Yeah. yeah. Having to deal with yourself for that long, you really just have to recover afterwards. Um, B says, fantastic morning to Mrs. Hoglaw, a co-counsel. Hearts emoji. Morning from Vermont with a leaf emoji. I like that one. It's very cool. I love the fall. Good morning from the school parking lot, says Mrs. Hoglaw. That's right. Uh, hi, Rick. Hi, everyone. Listening from Sydney, Mike doze off to the dulcet tones of Hogue Wisdomology. I like that. I like that. And there's a, a kind of rosy-cheeked, happy face emoji. Hogue, you're a beast. Can't believe you're back on. Huge respect. A praying emoji, I think. Might be a high-five emoji. I never know uh, from that. It really depends on what your mood is. Thank you so much, Kaysante. I appreciate it. Good morning from Kansas City. Chiefs Kingdom, Kansas side. Lol. Kansas, Kansas City is the one that's in two states at once, right? All right. Miss <laughs> uh, Hope Pancakes this morning. Uh, they they already left early. They, there's there's a whole traffic situation uh, at the school, uh, so they're they're already there, getting ready. Also, every morning is pancake morning, so I digress. Uh, Hogue Law Australia is blessed with two Hogue streams in one day. Also, yes, we do have cartoon Tasmanian devils. Also, drop bears, plenty of drop bears. Awesome. Awesome. You guys are going to convince me to visit Australia, definitely. Uh, what else we have here? Early hangouts. Any of you looking forward to uh, Mario and Rabbids? Ice question was for you, lol. I think they have one with grapefruit. Maybe that one was a good. Uh, we always get the variety pack. Uh, I love them all. Uh, well, with one exception, what exception is that? I don't like the one that has coconut in it, uh, because I think it tastes like drinking hair conditioner. Yep. Sorry. I said it. I love the brand. We drink like hundreds of them, but I don't like the coconut one. And I can't remember what the other flavor is with the coconut, but I do not recommend it. Caitlin with good morning. It's too early and it's too cold. It gets that way, doesn't it? Doesn't it, folks? All right. Kelly's got some answers to the poll question here. Fox was the right answer, she says. I didn't put Fox in there. Fox had the best Simpsons, married with children, and, of course, family guy. Yeah, those are all of a piece, aren't they? Right? Weirdly weirdly uh, operating family in uh, high comedic situations. Uh, those are good, though. Um, so I, I respect it. Uh, I, was, I was looking at ABC News on the headline here, and I was thinking, all right. What can I ask about broadcast networks? Because my favorites back in the day, I will just tell you, were ABC, uh, right? ABC is the um, uh, TGIF block. Uh, and I used to uh, get really excited about that when I was a kid uh, and, and go watch those sitcoms. Really enjoyed those. Uh, NBC has things like The Office and Friends. So that's that's a clear, it's currently in the lead for, or at least in the lead is what's a network, which is totally fair. That's why I put it there. Um, but NBC is in the lead of the network answers. Uh, so it makes sense to me. NBC has a lot of those big, heavy-hitting shows. Good morning from day four of COVID quarantine, says Kelly C. A wonderful gift from the Michigan game. Still worth it. You got COVID at the Michigan game? I'm sorry. Uh, I feel bad for you. Well, hopefully you're feeling better. Uh, or if you didn't feel anything at all, that you're you're lasting through quarantine with, uh, with streams from me. Uh, my favorite ice is the coconut one. See, this is what I mean. When we talk about video games or we talk about movies or TV shows, I always try to put in the back of my head, whatever you're talking about is someone's favorite, right? So the coconut one absolutely 100% reminds me of like 
drinking condition. My brain just is wired that way. And I don't know why I, I it's the only one I kind of flat out reject. Uh, and if it's your favorite, that is awesome. That is awesome. Don't let me, don't let me convince you that your favorite is bad. I'm just a guy. That Sarah, I love coconut, but there are some coconut flavored things that definitely taste like what I would imagine Hawaiian tropic sunscreen tastes like. Blah emoji. <laughs> but it's Angel's favorite. It's Angel's favorite. Hey, they, and they still make it, right? The one thing that you could know is like if you're going to manufacture something like that, you're going to keep manufacturing it. Um, then somebody's drinking it. Somebody's liking it. Now, sometimes they put it in your variety packs, and I think that's like their loss leader. It's like their weight uh, in those. Uh, but somebody's drinking it somewhere. Uh, I put what's a network because I don't think I watched any of those channel sitcoms. So my answer was really what's a sitcom. <laughs> I should have said what's a network slash sitcom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly when you talk about sitcoms, like the office is very, very different from the ABC TGIF block of whatever full house and step-by-step -step and di dinosaurs, I think that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, it, we, we've gotten pretty different. Oh man, hair conditioner tastes gross. Accidentally used some instead of toothpaste one sleep deprived morning. Ooh. Yeah, when I says it, it tastes like conditioner, this does not come from personal experience. It comes from like the notions of what I think drinking conditioner would be like. So if you accidentally put that on your toothbrush, I am sorry. That is a bummer. Poll question answer changes depending on the decade. I said any decade. It's right in there. <laughs> uh I noticed all lawyers have something in common. They nearly always have a pet in their hand. You know, until you mentioned it, I didn't realize I did. That's it's just that automatic. What am I going to write on? I don't have paper. <laughs> NBC had Cheers and Frasier too. All right, those are good choices. Cheers is awesome. Cheers is one of my favorites. Uh, I get that, and I concur. But Fox had Beverly Hills 90210. Are we calling that a sitcom? Beverly Hills 90210 was effectively a family drama with goofy bits. But everything was goofy back then. Um, I'm scared to ask. Maybe that's what it takes to get through a seven-hour stream. Drinking conditioner? Something else? CBS had the classic sitcoms like Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. CBS has a very specific house style. Um, and certainly there's people that really love the CBS modern style. I mean, I think CBS has uh, like the Two and a Half Men and the Big Bang Theory and, and those kinds of shows. And I've certainly heard in this space that a lot of you really like those. Wade Watts, correct answer for the best network question is Australia. All of the sitcoms are good. I think I can honestly say I've never seen an Australian sitcom unless Bluey counts. Does Bluey count as an Australian sitcom? Because that is aces. Bluey's awesome. Uh, NBC also had Friends. Yep, Friends in the Office is what I think of. Um, like I said, ABC, I think of like the TGIF family, fun stuff. NBC, I think of Friends in the Office, but it, Cheers is a great add-on too. And then CBS, I think, are kind of the modern stuff and then the older stuff. Um, so I think CBS is, I might be wrong on this. I think CBS is like Murphy Brown. Um, and uh, I did not watch it as much. I didn't, I don't watch the modern uh, comedies as much. I never really got into Big Bang Theory. I know people keep recommending it to me, uh, but I haven't. Does 90210 count as a sitcom in the unironic sense? Well, you know, I, I have trouble labeling an hour-long show as a sitcom, just in my head. Um, so I, I don't know if I can think of any hour-long show that I personally would classify as a sitcom. This is very important stuff we're talking about this morning. This is why we had the Hangouts before the headlines. So I don't think so. I, I, I don't know is not a sitcom in my head. 
It is ridiculous. It is funny. Uh, Donna Martin graduates. Uh, the WB was the best until it closed before it was ABC for TGIF slash Disney. I can see that. What were the WB sitcoms? When I think of the WB, I usually think of like Gilmore Girls. Are we counting Gilmore Girls as a sitcom? These are good questions, folks. Murphy Brown was good too. Who had How I Met Your Mother? CBS did have How I Met Your Mother. I honestly only know The Office on NBC because Peacock had to turn everything upside down. <laughs> when they when they took the office away oh that's awesome uh twitter paid it i hope you all have a wonderful morning off to the car so from now on no more comments from me but you will be with me in the car yeah don't send text comments while driving a car i think we can all agree on that you're right though caitlin about how i met your mother being on cbs should get more love from me nbc was also scrubs well nbc and abc uh because it moved networks uh, Kelly, I love this conversation. 90210 makes a great sitcom in hindsight, although it was too serious in its teen angst at the time to be a true sitcom. Winking emojis and laughing emojis. Uh, best sitcoms don't have to do with networks. It was watching with the family. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that you would have been uh, like a specific fan of the network at the time. Just that's where the stuff that you wound up really liking wound up. I picked what's a network, but that's only because I have no idea what a sitcom is on from what network. Uh, what is that? Uh, see no evil monkey upside down emoji. That's the fun of living in Scotland and watching everything online. I never know which things they're going to claim, right? Like ABC currently has the Goldbergs, which I watch. Um, and, uh, NBC has nothing that I watch. And CBS has reruns of how I met your mother. Can Hogue do any pen spinning? No, I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I can't do anything with this. I can write with it. <laughs> Chuck was on NBC. Again, Chuck is an action adventure show. I think we're broadening out sitcom too far. I'm generally talking about people sitting around talking about their problems on a couch um, or their family issues or their workplace issues, really. Um, so your cheers is your friends is in the modern, like one camera vernacular, your 30 rocks, your offices um, uh, Goldberg's, uh, other things that you might like. I think, uh, the, the big bang theory was very popular. Uh, I think blackish is very popular. Um, I, I, other sitcoms like that generally half hour format, uh, some kind of joke cadence that's fairly rapid. Um, and, uh, Chuck is awesome. Love Chuck. Chuck, very funny. Chuck has sitcom elements, especially with the buy more. Uh, but it is not in and of itself a sitcom. Uh, because it is hour long and it's got like spy antics. Must see TV Thursdays. I always liked it's new to you. If, if you haven't seen it, it's new to you for when we're doing replays. That was the time, right, folks? Before we had internet services and streaming, you used to just have to go and watch your show on whatever network, whenever they would broadcast it. And they would have these big blocks of time where they just wouldn't show you a new episode of your favorite show. And so what they would do is they would advertise and say, well, if you missed this one, it's new to you. I love that. It was a good advertising campaign. Um, NBC had Seinfeld. Ooh, true. NBC has some strong stuff. We got that. It's understanding why it's got that 28% uh, number. I'm a big sitcom nerd, so that was a hard choice for me. I love it, Kelly. That's awesome. Crying laughing emoji. What did you choose? What did you choose? Farscape is Australian. That's a sitcom, right? Farscape is very Australian. Virtually everybody in that but Ben Browder 
has an Australian accent. Um, yeah, I, I no, Farscape's not a sitcom. This is going to become a, a a treatise on what a sitcom is. Uh, but uh, no, Farscape's not a sitcom. Farscape is a sci-fi action adventure show with a number of comedic elements because it's got effectively Muppets in it. Um, but it's uh, it's not a sitcom. Carolyn says, I picked CBS because they had a love of Lucy. I love Lucy, if I remember right. But also, I can't remember what network The Nanny was on. But those two are my favorite American sitcoms ever. I want to say The Nanny is NBC. Uh, but I'm not sure. And that's that's hitting that era of things that I used to watch in reruns during, like, law school. So it was, like, The Nanny and News Radio. Um, and uh, I think there's a third one there. Uh, but those those were fun. Now I need to go research Australian sitcoms. I kind of want to do that too, right? Sherry says, Seinfeld, NBC wins just for that. Seinfeld's good. Seinfeld is also kind of a, survives the test of time. Um, because outside of like cell phone, def cell phone deficient plot lines, uh, it is uh, it is very good. Um, what else we got? This is a great conversation. This is why I did this. ABC also had happy endings, so that wins. Uh, happy endings was fun. It was nice. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is on Fox. CBS had MASH. Curb Your Enthusiasm is on HBO. Uh, Hoag Law, I agree with you. That is fantastic. I don't know what you agree with, but that is great. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, CBS had MASH. I want to change my answer. The polls are in. 268 votes. Looks like NBC is going to win this one, or at least win it when we don't count what's a network. A great afternoon to you all from Denmark. Hello, Denmark. Good morning. Uh, sorry, Beavis and Butthead and Andrea were my jam. All right. It's an MTV fan. Remember UPN? Uh, I remember Buffy. Yeah. Uh, happy Days was on ABC. The Tuesday, Monday, Happy Days. It's yeah. awesome. Monk and Psych and Gilmore Girls might be hour-long sitcoms. Hmm. <laughs> I think Gilmore Girls to me is the closest there insofar as they're generally dealing with kind of home life and school life and work life in a kind of sitcom-y way. Psych has uh, like murder mysteries that kind of drive it. So it tends to take it off the sitcom block. It has a driving force and Monk as well on that score. All are focused more on being quirky or funny than on being dramatic. Um, and so that's a pretty good sell. Uh, but I, I do see those Gilmore Girls, I think, maybe coined the term dramedy. Um, and so I think that's probably more appropriate. Certainly, you're not going to get confused about any of those shows and whether they're like the same genre as Friends, let's say. Let's just pull one out of the air or Scrubs or um, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, so this is fun. This is super serious. It's because of my voice level. We're getting super serious about talking about these things, but I, I do love it. Kelly, I couldn't get down with Seinfeld. I tried because of, you know, water cooler talk, but just couldn't. Elaine bothered me. I think they're all supposed to bother you. It's the weirdest show. Uh, oh, and Hemium was my other favorite. So another point for CBS. I met your mother's awesome. We need a fluffy hangout after that crazy long stream yesterday. Well, that's what I can give. So it's going to be plenty fluffy. Very chill. Uh, sibling creature says we mostly get the U S sitcoms, but pretty much any network here can borrow programming from any network in the States. So it's not always obvious where it came from. Right. I get that. That's fun to know about in terms of international. Okay. We've got it by decade. ABC was the late eighties and nineties. That's your TGIF block. NBC is the nineties and, and aughts. Uh, that's your Thursday night. That's your friends. Um, uh, that's your office. Uh, 
Fox uh, also had Sundays, and that's I think that's their animation block um, in that same time period. And CBS, which is Big Bang Theory and How I Met Your Mother, um, going forward. Now uh, that's they have it in the, as the tens. Um, How I Met Your Mother, I think, starts in two thousand five. I want to say, and then goes through uh, like twenty fourteen or so. So it kind of straddles the line there. And I don't know what years the Big Bang Theory is from, but I appreciate that, Kelly. That's a good breakdown. I also like the, the implicit criticism of my poll as being unfair. I like it. <laughs> uh, there's adult sitcoms and family sitcoms. Depends on who's around. Isn't that always the way? There's a whole host of things. I, I feel like I almost need a grid of having the, the things I can do, the games I can play, the movies I can watch, the TV shows I can watch, depending on what level of person is with me. Um, and because my, my daughters kind of straddle the line now between more adult fare and more kid fare, like it also kind of varies across those lines as well. It's it's fun. It's fun. There was one time I remember I was sitting next to a co-counsel and we were discussing and I was like, all right, if it's if it's me, I'm going to do this. If it's you and me, I'm, we're going to do this. If it's me and you and our firstborn, we're going to do this. And if it's all four of us, we're going to do this. Like we had four separate options, which is great because we actually had the options, but you never know. What network was Wonder Years? I believe it's ABC. I know not technically a sitcom, but loved it when it aired here. Was a kid though. Don't remember a lot of it. So it had a half hour format, but yeah, I, I did, it didn't go for laughs um, very often. Uh, and uh, Wonder Years, I remember when a kid, I felt uh, the feeling, the atmosphere was, it was kind of like dark and moody and depressing. And I really, um, as a kid, I felt intimidated by the, is it Dan Loria, the, the, the father figure, which is, I know like exactly what they're trying to present in that, in that show. But uh, that was not, that was not a place I liked to be. It was, it was a little bit too, a little bit too intense for young Hogue. Uh, my dad's favorite sitcom was All in the Family. You know, I really haven't watched it. I know it's a classic. I haven't watched much All in the Family. Scrubs, first one of the shows mentioned that I've actually seen. I'll tell you this. I know people have heard me say it before. Scrubs is the very best sitcom in the history of television. Um, Scrubs is my 100% favorite. Um, so there you go. Scrubs, NBC and ABC. Does the original Batman count as a comedy? It's not a sitcom, but it is a comedy, definitely. Loved Mork and Mindy. CBS had MASH. Okay, The Facts of Life was one of my faves. And A Whole New World. Now, that's a sitcom I have not heard the name of in a long, long time. <laughs> awesome, Minnie. Can Farscape be classed as a sitcom? I already ruled on this. Uh, Farscape is a sci-fi action adventure with comedic elements. I enjoyed Frasier back in the day. Ah, yeah, Frazier. Frazier had a really good run. Uh, morning, everyone from Michigan. I remember watching ABC religiously when I was a teen. Roseanne was my favorite back in the day. Yeah, Roseanne was a very interesting show. It was very different from everything else that was on, so I, I did like that. NBC for Community, six seasons in a movie. Did see that, uh, what was it? I, I think uh, one of them tweeted out and a movie the other day. So they might be working on that in the background. Uh, community. I love Community. Community, as you probably know from my personality, is perhaps a touch too cynical um, for what I like out of my comedy. Same as like a 30 Rock. Uh, but um, they're both good. They're both funny. It's a little hard to watch Alec Baldwin right now. Uh, scrubs. I, there's no other comment. It's just the word Scrubs. It's a fantastic comment right there. Love it. I thought Seinfeld was considered the king of sitcom. People can have any king of sitcoms that they want. Certainly Seinfeld was one of the most popular ever made. Scrubs was not. I told you, Scrubs goes between networks. Scrubs get canceled by NBC. 
but it's my favorite sitcom of all time. I think it's the very best stuff. Um, Night Court. Maybe that's what I watched with news radio and, and the nanny in the afternoons of law school while I'm reading cases. That's right. If you want the full behind the scenes, I'm listening to Fran Drescher's nanny voice while I read through Supreme Court cases of the 19th century law school. Um, see other people talking. No fire. Farscape is science fiction adventure. Uh, Arrested Development, Fox, brilliant show. I like many seasons of Arrested Development, but it is a little bit too varied for me to put it at the king of the mountain, uh, right? Same with The Office. I adore like seasons, I don't know, two through four of The Office, and then it gets not great. The the the, the good content dilutes and dilutes and dilutes. Six Feet Under? Are you presenting me Six Feet Under as a comedy? Why don't you just offer up The Wire? The best comedy ever is The Wire. <laughs> Stringer Bell says a lot of funny things. He does. Uh, Six Feet Under is a very good show, though. News Radio, that was a great show. Probably one of my favorite sitcoms ever. News Radio is very strong. Um, it's 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 unfortunate. That, like I said, it's you know it's a little difficult to watch Alec Baldwin in 30 Rock. It's, it's a little difficult for different reasons to watch Phil Hartman uh, in News Radio. Uh, but News Radio is a really strong show. Nanny is CBS. We finally got a verdict. Thank you, Totally Jersey. I appreciate it. Um, for whatever reason, I thought it might be NBC, but it is CBS, according to Totally Jersey, and I'm willing to take them at their word without any research. That's not what we do here, is it? Uh, it sounds so, sounds like the nanny could be CBS. Uh, not sure why, but I never liked Seinfeld. It is a very particular kind of flavor, um, and it is not to everybody's taste. We got people mentioning Frasier. Has nobody mentioned Parks and Rec? That is a shame. Parks and Rec is awesome. Uh, Parks and Rec, also NBC. I'm beginning to think the right answer is NBC. Uh, NBC launched Scrubs. NBC has things like Parks and Rec in the office and Friends. Strong, strong stuff. A lot of people like British comedies. Uh, yes, Ministers and Yes, Prime Minister are hilarious. Is that two separate series? <laughs> uh, laughing, happy face emoji. Um this stream needs more likes. Always. We could always use likes. That's how YouTube knows that this content should be shown to more people. So it's not about me. It's just about having these fun conversations with more and more people in the chat. Right? So put those likes down. Tell YouTube you like this stuff. That is very, very helpful. I recently learned that the Ted Lasso creator did Scrubs in Cougartown. Oh, Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence is the money in the bank guy to us in Hogue House. Uh, so yes, Bill. now Bill Lawrence, I think, think has a reduced role in Ted Lasso season two. Uh, but uh, he was part of the getting that getting that show together. Uh, Scrubs is fantastic. A Cougar Town is way better than that name would suggest. Um, and Ted Lasso is also very, very good. Scrubs was good. These are the fantastic comments I'm looking for, folks. <laughs> good morning from Kansas City. Girl, Gimmo Girls is a dramedy. Psych was awesome. Uh, Monk, Psych, Burn Notice, the infinity of government security shows on the USA in their prime. Crazy. That's their blue sky motto, right? When they were doing the advertising, it was, uh, we want to show people happy places and keep them positive, uh, that that's what advertisers wanted and that's what was working for their network. It's, I, it was their blue sky uh, mission statement. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it worked. You know, I, 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 Burn Notice, I really enjoy. Um, and I haven't watched enough Monk, even though I have the whole series sitting on my shelf. Uh, who had Big Bang Theory? That's CBS. Sorry if I missed it. I'm late to the stream. So CBS is your answer for Big Bang Theory. Uh, the first, Elaine. 
So we are talking a little bit about Seinfeld. All right. Now we got to take it down a notch, people. This is fantastic stuff. I'm glad everybody's getting their votes in there. NBC seems to have a fairly commanding lead. NBC is the right answer because of The Good Place. The Good Place is a sitcom, and it is also the most serious sitcom in the history of sitcoms. Um, who had I Love Lucy? I don't actually know that one. Uh, I don't. Wings? Uh, that's that's a fun one. All right. We got to talk about just an absolutely wild story, folks. So keep your votes coming in. Keep your comments coming in on sitcoms and networks. But this is a crazy, 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 crazy story. And I saw this. And like I said, I have a few comments on the rhetoric. We'll talk about those when we get there. But mostly this is about the substance. I just wanted to share this story with you. Um, so this is a headline that is like uh, just wild to me. Now, this is about kind of the the American uh, security infrastructure here. Um, so it might not apply as equally to all of you everywhere, but it is. It is wild. So let's let's take a look. It's Rolling Stone exclusive. FBI raids star ABC News producer's home. Emmy-winning producer James Gordon Meek had his home raided by the FBI. His colleagues see, say they haven't seen him since. And one thing to note before we even get into the article at all is that it doesn't appear that this reporter or anybody else that they talk to knows where this person is. And in the context of the story that we're going to read, that's a little bit scary. So at a minute before 5 a.m. on April 27, ABC News's James Gordon Meek fired off a tweet with a single word, facts. So it's early in the morning. He fires off a tweet, says facts. Now, I don't believe, based on everything else that's in this article, that that's what did him in in this instance. It's just for a little bit of color. And we'll see Rolling Stone kind of does a lot of color stuff that we can skip. But that's what they want to go out with. The network's national security investigative producer, that's Mr. Meek here, you'll want to remember that name, was responding to former CIA agent Mark Polomeropoulos take on the Ukrainian military with assistance from the U.S. thriving against Russian forces. So this is just to kind of put this in context. This is the ABC News national security guy. He's tweeting to one of the former CIA agents that's saying the U.S. is working with the Ukrainians. Uh, against the Russians in in the in the war uh, out there, uh, Paula Maripolis's tweet, filled with acronyms indecipherable to the layperson like TTPs, UWs, and EWs, was itself a reply to a missive from Washington Post Pentagon reporter Dan Lamoth, who noted the wealth of information the U.S. military had gathered about Russian ops by observing their combat strategy in real time. Now, this is, as as the kids might say, this is a wall of text, right? Like this is, I think, a paragraph. Uh, return got missed here. Uh, but this is a wall of text. But what's important here is that this is a guy that has some opinion on the national security, international war infrastructure. He's tweeting with this other guy. They're both tweeting about a story done in the Washington Post about the information that the U.S. military has gathered against the kind of Russian operations. Um, and that's that's the color here. The interchange illustrated the interplay between the national security community and those who cover it. And no one straddled both worlds quite like Meek, an Emmy-winning deep-dive journalist who was also a former senior counterterrorism advisor and investigator for the House Homeland Security Committee. To his detractors within ABC, Meek was something of a military fanboy, but his track record of exclusives was undeniable, breaking the news of foiled terrorist plots in New York City and the Army's cover-up of the fratricidal death 
of Private Dave Sherritt II in Iraq, a bombshell that earned Meek a face-to-face meeting with President Obama. With nine years at ABC under his belt, a buzzy Hulu documentary poised for Emmy attention, and an upcoming book on the military's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan, the 52-year-old bear of a man seemed to be at the height of his powers and the pinnacle of his profession. You never want to have seemed to be at the top of the article about you in one of these, as we will find out in the next paragraph. And I think this should probably have a button in front of it, so I'm just going to say but. But outside his Arlington, Virginia apartment, a surreal scene was unfolding, and his storied career was about to come crashing down. Meek's tweet marked the last time he's posted on the social media platform. So they they use that tweet to indicate this is the, basically the last time anybody will have heard from him was the end of April. And this was a guy with a real curriculum vitae, a real resume, sitting in front of President Obama, winning an Emmy, nominated potentially for another one. They were going through an Emmy process. The first thing Meek's neighbor, John Antonelli, noticed that morning was the black utility vehicle with blacked out windows blocking traffic in both directions on Columbia Pike. It was just before dawn on that brisk April day, and self-described police vehicle historian Antonelli was about to grab a coffee at a Starbucks before embarking on his daily three-mile walk. He inched closer to get a better vantage when he saw an olive green Lenko Bearcat G2, like I said, they like details and flavor in this article, an armored tactical vehicle often employed by the Federal Bureau of Investigation, among other law enforcement agencies. A few Arlington County cruisers surrounded the jaw-dropping scene, but all of the other vehicles were unmarked, including the Bearcat. Antonelli counted at least 10 heavily armed personnel in the group. None bore anything identifying which agency was conducting the raid. After just 10 minutes, the operation inside the Siena Park apartment complex a six-story upscale building for DC professionals with rents fetching about $2,000 to $3,000 a month was over. So as described here, you just heard the, bio- the biography of Mr. Meek and then pre-dawn, 10 vehicles all unmarked or, or, or multiple vehicles all unmarked with 10 armed people also unmarked go into the, <laughs> the apartment building and leave in 10 minutes. And we never hear from this guy again. They didn't stick around. They took off pretty quickly and headed west on Columbia Pike towards Fairfax County. Uh, And then there's some description here from the the quotes. It's it's like a man on the street interview. Uh, Most people seeing that green vehicle would think it's a tank, but I knew it was a Lenko Bearcat. That vehicle is designed to be jumped out of so they can do a raid. It can return fire if they're being fired upon. Multiple sources familiar with the matter say Meek was the target of an FBI raid at the Siena Park Apartments, where he had been living on the top floor for more than a decade. An FBI representative told Rolling Stone its agents were present on the morning of April 27th at the 2300 block of Columbia Pike, Arlington, Virginia, conducting court-authorized law enforcement activity. The FBI cannot comment further due to an ongoing investigation. Now, in case you don't know how these things work in the United States, the FBI is a federal agency. That's what the F is. And so if they're enforcing something, they should be enforcing federal laws of some kind. Now, one of the things we'll find out about this is that all of this is under seal. The FBI will not comment further due to an ongoing investigation. They don't have access to the documents from Rolling Stone. None of this is announced. This is all kind of news to everybody, and it really hasn't been reported on. But this is a journalist that appears to have been the subject of an FBI raid and may have been taken into custody, right? We don't see him as part of this, and certainly it's implied by this article, and we'll we'll try to 
take it with a grain of salt because there's really no specific information on this. Nobody has any idea what happened to this guy. But in terms of kind of uh, the, the way a government is supposed to operate and, and what we want to know about these things, this is not great for transparency, right? And it does leave people guessing as to what's happening with this, especially when you start dealing with a journalist class that does report on what amounts to government malfeasance in any event. Meek has been charged with no crime, but independent observers believe the raid is among the first and quite possibly the first to be carried out on a journalist by the Biden administration. A federal magistrate judge in the Virginia Eastern District Court signed off on the search warrant the day before the raid. If the raid was for Meek's records, U.S. Department Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco would have had to give her blessing. A new policy enacted last year prohibits federal prosecutors from seizing journalist documents. Any exception requires the deputy AG's approval. Gabe Rothman of the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press says, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a case since January 2021. Now, again, one of the issues we've got with the rhetoric here, and we'll talk about this, is that this reporter and the people commenting on this and the sources that they have access to, nobody's saying anything, right? So you get sentences effectively like, well, if they were going after documents, they would have had to have a judge's sign off. And I get why people think that. That's the rules. That's the policy, et cetera, et cetera. Well, not everything always goes according to the plan, right? Not everybody always follows those rules. So making assumptions like this is maybe not what's happening here. And so we just have to be cautious with that. When we see things like they would have had to sign off, it is assuming everybody's following the letter of the law. Uh, and that might be the case. It might not be the case. Uh, so we just have to keep those in mind as we go through these paragraphs. In the raid's aftermath, Meek has made himself scarce. None of his Siena Park neighbors with whom Rolling Stone spoke have seen him since, with his apartment appearing to be vacant. Siena Park management declined to confirm that their longtime tenant was gone, citing privacy policies. Similarly, several ABC News colleagues who are accustomed to unraveling mysteries and cracking investigative stories tell Rolling Stone that they have no idea what happened to Meek. So... This is designed to put a specific image in your head, right? This is designed to have you think, well, if they have a raid um, and nobody ever sees him again, um, could he have been illegally detained? Could he have been arrested? Could he have been legally detained? We don't have any idea. This is the story that is coming up here. Uh, so it does raise all these questions. And you get this color here that says, well, ABC News people are investigating things. Well, they're only investigating things that they want to or that they're ordered to, et cetera, et cetera. If they're supposed to not look into Mr. Meek or if they don't want to, uh, then they're not going to solve or unravel that mystery. So this is all color designed to make you think of a specific thing about this. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying I'm saying anything because I can't say anything based on what actually is in this article. He fell off the face of the earth, says one. And people asked, but no one knew the answer. An ABC representative tells Rolling Stone he resigned very abruptly and hasn't worked for us for months. Sources familiar with the matter say federal agents allegedly found classified information on Meek's laptop during their raid. One investigative journalist who worked with Meek says it would be highly unusual for a reporter or producer to keep any classified information on the computer. Now, this is anonymously sourced. We got to take that with a grain of salt. This is from Rolling Stone, which we've already talked about in respect of things that are lighter than potential FBI raids and confidential information and international security, right? Uh, but in respect of Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, we've talked about this and said, look, they get some stuff wrong. Um, we don't know enough to actually adjudge sources familiar with the matter here. So we just want to keep that in mind as we continue with the article. Mr. Meek is unaware of what 
allegations anonymous sources are making about his possession of classified documents, his lawyer, Eugene Gorakov, said in a statement, if such documents exist as claimed, this would be within the scope of his long career as an investigative journalist covering government wrongdoing. The allegations in your inquiry are troubling for a different reason. They appear to come from a source inside the government. It is highly inappropriate and illegal for individuals in the government to leak information about an ongoing investigation. We hope that the DOJ promptly investigates the source of this leak, which is a kind of odd response to what it is that your individual client is accused of having done, but lawyers want to keep the information pipeline in their control. It's all a very weird story, right? When we're going to get to the end of this, and it's just designed to make you feel weird. It is unclear what story, if any, would have put Meek in the FBI's crosshairs. In recent years, some of Meek's highest profile reporting delved into a 2017 ambush by ISIS in Niger that left four American Green Berets dead. Meek and ABC then adapted the story into the feature-length documentary, documentary 3212 Unredacted, which debuted last year on Veterans Day on ABC's sister company, Hulu. A robust Emmy campaign began prior to Meek's disappearance with events like a screening and Q&A at the Motion Picture Association in D.C. that the journalist attended with one of his daughters. The story was particularly incendiary because it undermined the Pentagon's official narrative of what happened on the ground in the African nation and presented evidence of a cover-up at the highest levels of the army, according to the film's logline. Adding intrigue, sources say another ABC News investigative journalist, Brian Epstein, also abruptly and inexplicably left the network a few months before Meek. Epstein also worked as a director, producer, and cinematographer on 3212 Unredacted, Hulu stopped Emmy campaigning after Meek apparently went AWOL, and the documentary ultimately failed to receive a nomination. Epstein told Rolling Stone, I'm not commenting on this story, before abruptly hanging up. So a little bit of a conspiracy theory here. And again, if this weren't Rolling Stone, which admittedly has its own credibility problems, but is a masthead that ostensibly looks at these articles, uh, this would be something that I would have put in the bin, right? That This is like, okay, this sounds a little bit like Reddit theorizing. Even stranger, in the months before he vanished, Meek was finishing up work on a book for Simon & Schuster titled Operation Pineapple Express, the incredible story of a group of Americans who undertook one last mission in honor to promise in Afghanistan. Whoo, that's a title. Is that going to fit on the spine of the book? I don't know. <laughs> Which he co-authored with Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann, a retired Green Beret. Meek even featured a picture of the soon-to-publish book in his bio on social media and frequently tweeted about his involvement. But post-April 27th, the book jacket photo disappeared from his bio, and Simon & Schuster has scrubbed his name from all press materials. The first sentence of the jacket previously read, In April, ABC News correspondent James Gordon Meek got an urgent call from a special forces operator serving overseas. Now it says, In April, an urgent call was placed from a special forces operator serving overseas. Uh, early press materials available on the Wayback Machine gushed about Meek's credentials. Simon Schuster does not want to respond to a request for comment. Mann, who is solely promoting the book, which published in August and became a New York Times bestseller, says he is unsure of what exactly happened to Meek. He contacted me in the spring and was really distraught and told me that he had some serious personal issues going on and that he needed to withdraw from the project. As a guy who's a combat veteran who has seen that kind of strain, I don't know what it was, I honored it and he went on his way and I continued on the project. Mann says he hasn't heard from Meek since. Both the Obama and Trump administrations were criticized for targeting journalists and their sources. Obama's Justice Department brought charges under the Espionage Act against a record number of people from top generals like David Petraeus and James Cartwright 
to document leakers like Chelsea Manning and Edward Snowden. Yahoo News reported last year that in 2017, under Trump, as many as 20 U.S.-based journalists, including a Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize-winning Associated Press reporter, were being tracked by a special Customs and Border Protection Unit. But the Biden administration set out to reverse that trend. Biden called the practice of obtaining journalists' phone records and emails wrong, and in July 2021, Attorney General Merrick Garland enacted a new policy that bars federal prosecutors from seizing journalists' records and leak investigations, with some exceptions, including if reporters are suspected of working for agents of a foreign power or terrorist organizations, as well as situations involving imminent risks, such as kidnappings or crimes against children. Given the new policy, the question looms on what grounds the feds would have room to act on me. And, and here is where I get a little bit uncomfortable with the way this kind of thing is reported, right? So this is looking for bigger trends. Uh, you know, Obama was after uh, reporters. Uh, Trump was after reporters. Uh, Biden has said he won't be. This is a policy here, and policies are more like guidelines rather than rules. And so they say, well, it, it could be used if he was an agent of a foreign power or a terrorist. Um, but one wonders what they did to look at it. And, and I think, again, if you're following these things, you said, well, they must have followed the policy. Then that implies that he's acting for a foreign power or he's a terrorist. When, uh, you know, the other implication that's a little bit more unsaid is, OK, if he's a big critic of the government, maybe the government, maybe the government acted against him for that. Um, so it's 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 very unclear exactly what's happening here. And I don't really feel comfortable with the way journalists sometimes do this. They kind of throw implications out there. They cloud the room with these concepts. Well, here are the ways that they would be allowed to come after this. I wonder what he did. Um, and so I want us to just at least acknowledge that while still looking at the story and saying, hmm, hmm. No one is more mystified by the strange saga than the people who lived in and around the Siena Park complex. And then we have some quotes from like neighbors uh, that often make him sound like what you hear in a serial killer documentary. He was often with his two daughters and he was always really nice. He kept to himself, often hanging out on the rooftop alone. Uh, the last time I heard about a SWAT team going into an apartment building was the crazy stuff in Navy Yard. Unlike the meat case, the Navy Yard raid was well-reported and authorities said they seized a stockpile of weapons. At ABC News, Meek's sudden absence has left many of his colleagues perplexed, given that he still had time remaining on his contract. Now, Meek appears to be on the wrong side of the national security apparatus, and no one can say for certain if law enforcement officers actually removed him from the building. And thus, a riddle was born. Documents pertaining to the case remain sealed. I just want to know what happened, says another person who worked on 3212 unredacted. Meek's situation is making me nervous. I'm just going to deadbolt my door, right? So I wanted to share this story because it really did jump out at me as pretty crazy that you could have a situation where you have this kind of raid, this kind of strike on your apartment complex, all in unmarked vehicles, all with unmarked personnel, that only through sources do you learn that it's an FBI raid. The FBI confirms that it was on that block. So it is seemingly an FBI raid. Nobody knows whether he was removed from the actual office. Nobody can find him. Uh, he's gone to ground. Is he a spy? Is he a terrorist? Does he work for a foreign power? Is he a victim of a corrupt military industrial complex and, and U.S. Uh, law enforcement, federal agencies? Nobody has any idea. This is just kind of a mystery story uh, that doesn't have an answer. But I thought it was important to share because I think it is interesting. Uh, that it didn't make as many waves as I would have expected, that I actually found this in kind of a corner of the internet while I was looking for things to cover here in Hangouts and Headlines, uh, and where in other circumstances, maybe even other countries, I would expect this to at least be talked about more uh, so that you could get to the bottom of it, because I do have a problem with the lack of transparency. I do have a problem with, okay, you're going to do this thing. Journalists should be held 
um, to, to a very high standard. They have the freedom of speech. They have the freedom of press. Uh, and we don't generally want to be in the business here in the United States of just, you know, black bagging someone if they did, in fact, remove him from his apartment uh, and not letting the people who otherwise ostensibly hold the power of our government officials uh, in the dark on one of these things. What do you all think on this? What do you think of the reporting on it? What do you think on the rhetoric? What do you think of this story? Uh, because I do think it is a very interesting one. Uh, Ms. Hoglaw has a theory, PR stunt for the book. I don't know. The true answer is going to be hopelessly boring. You watch. Yeah, he went out for donuts one day uh, and he tripped and fell and he, he's in a ditch somewhere uh, with his donuts uh, and it just wasn't that exciting. Was he recruited to work on some top secret project due to his contacts? I don't know. So, same category as alien sightings. This story is bonkers, says co-counsel. Um, uh, and then, you know, I like Big Bang Theory. I like it. we got a good combination here. We've got the Hangouts and the headlines together. I think it's working out pretty well. Um, what else? Is this the only article about it? It's the only one I could find. I'm not a perfect researcher. So if you see other coverage of it, let me know. Uh, comment on this uh, Comment on this video. Uh, but this was the only coverage of this particular story I could find. Uh, and so, yeah. Secret McSquirrel says, would it be bad if I didn't care? No. No, you could take the level of care that you want to ascribe to a story like this either direction, 100%. Uh, he's hanging out with Richard Simmons. Uh, you know that Meek had been a vocal about investigating Hunter Biden's connection to Ukraine, right? I did not. No, this is the this is my introduction. I have no pre-existing biases on this story. Uh, my introduction to all of the people mentioned in this is from this article. Uh, so I have no idea who Mr. Meek is. Um, but that adds to certainly a conspiracy kind of setting, right? Um, I'm confused. Does his daughter know where he is? If they do, they, they weren't sharing. It is entirely unclear. This reporter doesn't have anything in this article that says, I was able to reach out and, and make contact with the daughters or him or anybody in his family. You do have references to the people that she was able to reach out to, like the other person on that documentary for Hulu, uh, other people at ABC News, the people in the apartment building. They, she clearly did interview people, um, but does not have an interview with the, with the individual in question. The story showed up on my MSN homepage. I have to realize MSN has become the fox of internet storylines. Uh, there is no proof or any fact checking that any of this is true. I don't know if that's fair. I think those statement from the FBI that they were there uh, at the time is about as close as the FBI is going to get to saying that that's right. It is a raid. Now, what kind of raid? What for? Uh, you do have those kind of speculative statements that I don't think are great in an article like this. Well, they must have signed off on this. or it, it, in, If the policy is being upheld, it must have been one of these things. I don't think that's useful because I think it just kind of naively assumes that everybody is following the policies, procedures, rules, guidelines, whatever it might be. Um, and that is definitely not the case in the real world. Um, so yeah, the, the lawyer said something, but no family or friends are quoted. Yeah, I, I don't think it's fair to say that like no research was done here. This is not just kind of a spun off anonymous, uh, you know, rumors about TV shows kind of article. But I do agree with you that it doesn't have quite enough to, to firmly grapple with. Um, and that in and of itself is something we could talk about, right? It's headlines. It's like, is this, is this a dangerous thing to report on because you're just essentially allowing conspiracy theorists to just go off and do whatever um, with something like this? Is that in and of itself something that shouldn't be the form of the reporting? I think you can make that argument. I am happy to know about these things, uh, but I do think the reporter kind of implies a bunch of stuff 
uh, that maybe isn't as great for people that aren't in headlines and aren't otherwise critically analyzing the way these things are written. Uh, Maya Johnson says, reminds me of that family that got targeted by the FBI because the, the son's friend was involved in shady stuff. Uh, it, FBI was already raiding journalist homes back in November of last year. It's not the first time. I don't know. Don't know. Rolling Stone equals somebody paid us to publish this. Pretty harsh towards the Rolling Stone, but certainly they have made many, many, many mistakes and significant ones. Uh, don't know much about this story, but on its face, it seems troubling that the FBI is raiding the homes of journalists. Seems odd that this is the only article. Kind of want to get the hashtag, where is Meeks trending? <laughs> we don't, we don't want to add to the conspiracy theory atmosphere. Uh, it, a raid is not proof that any of the other claims are true. Um, obviously, Tatiana hasn't seen the Big Lebowski because dude is no doubt on a major bender in Vegas since April. That is a major bender. Uh, the author of the article should have filed a FOIA request on the sealed documents. Uh, if they're sealed, they're not subject to FOIA. Um, that it's a pending investigation. There's a whole bunch of exceptions to that. Uh, so yeah, if it's if it's a pending investigation, she wouldn't have been able to get them. It's actually probably it sounds weird to say because it's October for a story that happened in April. It's probably actually too close in time. Like in another year or so, you might have a better chance of actually establishing what this was all about. The government can stretch that policy to mean literally anything. Yes, that's yes, yeah, that's accurate. The, the way that policy is written, you can absolutely get around it, um, and that's that's the nature of that's the nature of uh, Justice Department policies. I'm just gonna be honest with you. A raid is an approved search warrant. Yes, yes, certainly. Uh, so we hope. Uh, I think it's only half the story at the moment. Mm -hmm. The lawyer's reaction would seem to suggest to me that there's a good reason for him being missing, other than him being taken into custody for perceived wrongdoing, lawful or otherwise. Uh, yeah, I, I simply don't know. Uh, certainly the lawyer is acting uh, prickly defensively to the journalist calling them that uh, I would, uh, if a journalist calls me about a client, I would probably sound exactly as defensive. Um, one, because, you know, it's malpractice for me to divulge client information. And so you've got a journalist talking to you and you're like, don't say any names, don't say any details. And you're focused on that. Uh, so it comes across as defensive, but I simply don't know. I can imagine the news editor's room, a bunch of journalists just throwing theories at a board uh, this happened back in April, and we are just hearing about it. Um, this is the first I heard about it, certainly. How many tweets with the same hashtag do you need to make something trend again? It's about 3,000, give or take. The alleged lawyer. Um, there's a lot more to hear yet. People agreeing with C uh, Secret McSquirrel. I think that's right. Carrie's taking the dogs to the vet. Have a good trip to the vet. Hopefully everything's okay. Uh, it's interesting, but we need to know more, and we may never know. I tend to agree. That's a good analysis from Nathaniel. Uh, the amazing thing is that it's so quiet in the media. The whole story increases the suspicion that we can't believe the media or the FBI, whom I've always considered them as the good guys. I, I, I would hope this kind of story at least gets some more coverage because the more eyeballs, the more journalists you have investigating, the, the harder it is to kind of hide the ball. Uh, Joe says, I think the reporting here is irresponsible. I can't disagree with that. I think that it definitely kind of throws things up in the air. Uh, and I don't love that style. I don't understand why Rolling Stone seems to assume the raid was related to journalism work and wasn't due to regular old criminal activity. If a journalist commits crimes, they aren't immune from prosecution. This is fair, Janice. Um, but in general, the FBI is not the ordinary crimes unit of the U.S. government, right? You have to be talking about a federal crime. Those are already weird. Um, and generally, national security is going to be an impact on that. So I, I think tying those together is probably warranted. But obviously, we have nothing to go on at all. So... It's all guesswork and it's all speculation. You are absolutely right. It could be a racketeer. 
Could be running numbers out of his apartment. We don't know. The FBI has become like the KGB targeting political dissent much. Well, again, this is the speculation part of it, right? It's certainly implied like that in the article, but we we don't know. We have to admit that. Um, think if the worst comes out, he's a Russian spy, but probably not true. But think if this is true. I, I, I mean, I think it, it's impossible not to know that the lawyer has a Russian sounding name. Uh, people also claim Assange is a journalist when he's a Russian asset like Stone. And, you know, you're going to get into a reasonable minds can differ kind of situation with the leakers. Definitely. Vagueness is their friend. Um, what else? This could be quietly being investigated behind the scenes or folks could be too scared to investigate further. Not many journalists are willing to fall on swords anymore. Uh, could be documents related to Russia. Witness protection, maybe. If it's about Ukraine, he might need protection. The Hangouts discussion is mixed up with the headlines. Tells us how much important this article is to society. I, I don't know if that's fair, right? That's what we run here. We run Hangouts and we run hang headlines. It's, it's right there in the title. Uh, so I like people talking about sitcoms, but we also talk about uh, a very interesting article. The article is definitely a bunch of fodder for conspiracy theories, as proven by this chat and super chat. It's built that way, right? The FBI doesn't raid your home if you're going into witness protection. Well, raid is only what they use here, right? It's it's unmarked vehicles and unarmed uh, and unmarked uh, personnel. You tend to think it's heavily armed because it's a raid. It could be an escort. We don't know. It's all guessing. NBC had Chuck. Uh, my best theory: Trump sent him some classified documents. We tie all the stories this year together. Tie them all together. Uh, that's what the article is designed to implant, in my opinion, suspicion of the FBI. Uh, I think if you wanted to argue that that's what the uh, author intended, you could make that argument, definitely. Um, I don't like not having a conclusion of some sort. Yeah, I never really liked kind of unsolved mysteries or those documentaries, which are like, if you know where Bill Maxson is, then please call this line. It's like, well, that's not. I just wasted my time. That's an hour of not not very interesting stuff. H and H and H, Hangouts, Headlines and Hogue. Guru says he was pretty clearly arrested and taken into custody. Most plausible conclusion. He was arrested for the sort of stuff that gets literally everything redacted and nobody is saying anything. That is implied by the article. That's why you finish with the paragraphs that they finish. You finish saying nobody can say that he wasn't arrested right there. Um, but I'm, I'm not willing to go that far with the facts that we have. And I think that's one of the reasons you're seeing some of the pushback in this space. All right, folks. It's a little bit of a shorter episode. An hour or so. We did do about seven hours yesterday. So if you're interested in more of me, you probably have some that you haven't seen on the channel right now from our seven hour stream. I do thank you for the very considered comments on this because I really wanted to talk talk it through with some people because it, it both was interesting to me and unusual in the way it was reported on. And I'm, I'm glad some of the things that I felt are also being reflected from you. And I, I really like to see everybody kind of critically evaluating stories like this one. So folks have a wonderful Thursday, or if it's already past the dateline, have a wonderful Friday and I will see you tomorrow for casual Friday and hangouts and headlines. And I might do another virtual Gaudi episode, or this might be the last you see of me today as I rest up a little bit, I practice some law and I otherwise get ready for my weekend as well. In any event, I will see you tomorrow for casual Friday. Have an absolutely great one, everybody.